Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Tuesday morning, those are the words of Mike Greenberg and occasionally the words of Doug Peterson, the ones that we could actually play for you this morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. Jay Will will join us here in 10 minutes. He's Yay. getting ready for the NBA draft tomorrow night on ESPN. He'll be center stage for that. And big news surrounding March Madness yesterday. We'll get Jay's thoughts on that coming up when he joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line in 10 minutes. In his place, in the studio this morning, the Super Bowl champion, Chris Canty. So, Key, we got a Super Bowl champion in Key, a Super Bowl champion in Chris. And you can hear Chris Double duty. It's like two-a-days. They took that away, but you got yeah. two-a-days with your local radio show coming up on our affiliate in New York, 98.7. That's coming up at 9 a.m. Chris will be with us here for another half hour. Let's just jump right into it, fellas. We're asking this morning, our Twitter question this morning is, you know, who do you blame for Wentz's struggles? Is it Wentz? Is it the head coach, Doug Peterson? Or is it the front office? Essentially, do they not get him enough weapons? In Philadelphia, they're asking the same question locally that we're asking nationally. I want you to listen to this. Doug Peterson on Sports Radio 94 WIP with longtime host Angelo Cataldi. He's waiting online to talk to Angelo. He's fuming, as you might expect, after that loss to the Giants. And then he had to hear this question before the conversation began. Who do you blame the most for the Eagles' 10-point loss to the Giants? 72% coaching. Interesting. Head coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson. Hi, Doug. Good morning, Angelo. Thanks for the lead-in. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. That was just... (laughs) That was awesome. I know. Listen, that just puts me in a great mood today. (laughs) Already in a good mood. I appreciate it. I kind of felt you probably wouldn't be in a good mood. Can I hang up now? No, no. Please don't, Doug. I'm I'm, I'm feeling my obligation right now. If I I, hang up, I feel my obligation. Doug, I fully understand. Angelo. All right, what about Doug? I'm I'm at myself. I'm at the way we played. And it's just, it, it frustrates me. It frustrates me to no end. And we have too much pride. And I have too much pride. These players have too much pride. We, we work our off during the week. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. And blame it on me all you want. I'll handle it with the players. You can blame it on me. I'm a big guy. I can handle it. That's fine. But this is... We're self-inflicting ourselves. We are killing ourselves. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. All those cliche little statements is, is, is still showing up, and it's frustrating. Wow. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say if uh, Doug voted in our Twitter question today, he'd blame himself. <laughs> well, he's going to do that as a head coach. He's going to take – right. he's not going to throw his team, his quarterback, under the bus. He's just going to say it's on him. I mean, what coach does that, right? I mean, they're all going to say what it is. Adam but- Gase? That's a good exception. It's a notable again, exception. again, Chris Canty, what coach, what coach does that? Okay. Right? right. You, so he's not a coach. What coach Got does it. that? You ain't Got getting it. a very, you know. Okay. And so when you look at it, it, I get what he's saying. Right. But it's Carson Wentz, man. Mm. Right. I mean, if I come in here every single day and I'm not getting anything right and the producers are giving it to me, you're teeing it up for me to knock it out of the park and I'm struggling at doing it, and I'm not giving real facts, and I'm just throwing it against the wall and hope that it sticks. Whose fault is that? It's mine. And and so when you look at it, Carson Wentz has paid over $100 million to be the quarterback of a team to help them win games. His job is to get his team into the end zone, not to do anything other than that. Not to turn the ball over something he's doing at an alarming rate, mm-hmm. not to look like he's looking I mean, the dude tripping over his own feet. I mean, like, so when you look at it, he gets all the praise when they win. 
That's the thing with quarterbacks. It's it's it, it's something that has always driven me crazy. Is that they get all the praise when they do something right or they win, but when it goes wrong, it's like who else is to blame? If you're paying a guy this type of money, it's on him. You're there to make everybody else better. I don't care that you don't have top dogs around you at skill positions week in and week out. People have been in and out of the lineup. They dial up plays, Zubin, so that you know. On every single play that a coach dials up, there's somebody open. Somebody. It's his job to find that somebody. Not everybody's going to be open. If there's three guys, one guy's going to be open. If there's four guys, there's two guys going to be open. If there's five guys out, there's probably going to be three guys open. Find that person. Find them. Put the ball where they can catch it. You throwing balls in the sky, I'm not nine feet tall. You throwing <laughs> balls at my feet, I can't. I'm not playing baseball. I don't want to scoop it out of the ground. That's how you got to look at this thing. Yeah, I'm with Key on this one, man. I mean, this has got to be on Carson Wentz. It's not Doug Peterson's fault that he's turning the ball over at that rate. He's leading the NFL in interceptions and fumbles. Now, I get it. Doug Peterson is going to stand up in front of the cameras and take all of the slings and arrows, and that's what any good head coach can do. Played for really good head coaches in the NFL, and all of them always preached that the mistakes were theirs on game day because they're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. Now, when it comes to the turnovers, that's on Carson Wentz. He's got to be better. He's got to operate the offense better. It's not Doug Peterson's fault that they were 0 for 9 on third down against the New York Giants, a two-win football team. So, I mean, at some point, Carson Wentz has to become the guy that we saw at the end of last season where in the last month they won four straight, and he took his team to a division title. And, Keith, tell me the guys that he was throwing to. Nobody. Nobody. Exactly. So they, if you can do it then, a, so if you can do it then, why are injuries now the excuse for the first half of what we've seen this season? They took an ex quarterback and turned him into a receiver and Ward and they Greg Ward. The, Greg Ward and they Ward. threw the ball to him. Yeah. They found Deontay Burnett off of the scrap heat practice squad, put him in there and threw the ball to him. So I just it's what you know, you, you look at certain quarterbacks, right, and you blame certain quarterbacks. Oh, this guy, he just he's that, he did not good. Well, it applies to Carson Wentz, too. You can't separate it. It applies to him. You gave him a hundred and some million dollars. You made a decision to move on from Nick Foles, which I have no problem with because mm-hmm. Nick Foles is a, you know, he's a, a guy who's there for a few games, can help you, and it, not a long-term solution. We could clearly last see night. that last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No question at all. But you went out on the limb and got talked into – Paying Carson Wentz when you didn't need to. When you didn't need to pay him. So now you're on the hook for economics. So it's always follow the money and the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. They're not getting ready to do anything with Carson Wentz over the next 24 months before they really start to dive into real decision making. So you got money tied up in him. You got to play him. You got to get him to play better. He knows that he needs to play better. He just needs to do it. Well, Key, I think they paid him ahead of schedule just because it would be a little bit cheaper. They don't want to pay market price. You know, bad, the closer a guy, move, you know, the closer a guy gets to free bad agency, move. the more expensive it gets. And so I think that's why Howie Roseman did that. But to sit here and try to blame Howie Roseman for not trying to support Carson Wentz with personnel, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, they went out and they used the first round pick on Jalen Rieger. Now, if you want to make the the argument that he should have drafted Justin, Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk or T. Higgins, okay, that's fine. But it's not like the general manager is not trying to surround his young quarterback with guys that can make plays for him. 
but the quarterback has got to make better decisions with the football and ultimately maximize the players that he does have, and that's not what Carson Wentz is doing right now. Not, not in the least bit. One thing that uh, Chris mentioned, I don't want to gloss over. This is very notable for any offense to see how much it's struggling. Chris had mentioned that the Eagles were 0 for 9 on third down against his Giants on Sunday. It's the first time, fellas, in 16 years, 16 years, that the Eagles didn't convert a single third down in a game. And you're right. If you watch Justin Jefferson last night, 135 yards receiving, Rieger has had the thumb injury, so there's some issues there. But you're right. Quickly, before we get to Jay Will, to talk a little bit about James Harden and mind-boggling news surrounding him in one minute, I noticed, just as a fan, when I'm watching Carson Wentz the last few weeks, I'm not a body language expert or anything like that. Well, <laughs> But there has been a ton of head down. You can't hide anything over the course of a three-hour game with no fan cutaways to go to in the crowd. The cameras are always on the players. The ripping off of the chin straps. I mean, it just seems more demonstrative than I have seen it. I know he's been frustrated the whole season. He's been frustrated with his injury history. Is there something to that, just for like a regular guy like me, watching him not be able to control his emotions? Yeah, well, you, you first of all, it's the stress that's put upon him. Even when they were winning, he probably was doing it. But much like you said, there's no fans. Now you got to go to the cutaways. You see it all the time. You know how you get into the... Oh, they're arguing on the sidelines. That happens every single day. But mm-hmm. because because there's nothing else to look at, the first thing is you see something, it looks different to you. I'm sure Carson Wentz has put his head down after bad plays in the past. I'm sure he's ripped off his chin strap in the past. I'm sure he's uh, taken his helmet and slinged it underneath the bench before. So I wouldn't put too much into it. Players do it all the time because it's the frustration. It's the stress level at a high level that comes with this. I will say this, when you're in a leadership position, and that's what the quarterback spot is, it's a leadership position by nature, you you do have to present a certain way. And based on what we've seen from Carson Wentz, he he doesn't evoke confidence when you watch him play. And and having that kind of body language, I I don't know, man. See, I I was never one of those players that paid attention to somebody else's body language because I never know what's going on in their mind. Well, when it comes to other players on the team, not so much. But when it comes to my quarterback, that matters. See, I never never paid attention to that, That matters to me. So I just just look at it from the standpoint of when things are going wrong, you're looking for somebody to be that change agent, somebody that could get things going back in the right direction, somebody that can swing the momentum of the season – and that's what's so, uh, I don't know, confusing about what's going on with Carson Wentz right now because we actually saw him do it last year when the team is 5-7 and seven and they got an embarrassed down in Miami. He actually grabbed that team by the throat and dragged them to the playoffs. Not sure why he can't get it going in that same way this year. Indeed. In Philly, 72% of fans, at least on Sports Radio 94 WIP, are blaming Doug Peterson. We're asking the simple question this morning. Who gets the most blame for the regression of Carson Wentz? Is it Wentz? Is it the head coach? Or, as Chris said, Executive Vice President, General Manager, Howie Roseman. On our survey, 62% have said, lay it right on the QB, right there with key. Carson Wentz, including at Victor267 on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Thanks for weighing in with your thought. Quote, Carson Wentz by a mile. Same team wins with Foles. That's his opinion. I think many would disagree with that. But thanks for weighing in. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer. Changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Let's talk hoops. So that the voice of Shanae Agumake, who you can hear every weekday afternoon on ESPN Radio 4-7 to with Mike Golick Jr. And then the voice of the NBA's best insider, Woj, who will join us here in our final hour. Let's hear the voice 
of Jay Williams. He joins us this morning. He is prepping knee-deep for the NBA draft tomorrow night on ESPN. <laughs> What's up, boys? Man, Hello. Please. Good morning. What up, Jay Williams? What's wrong, Chris? Chris, thank you, for, thank you for taking care of Key this morning. I know he's a lot, but trust me, it comes from a loving place. Yeah, I'm trying to hold you down. He's out in a show trying to talk about how you're a fraud Giants fan. And he, he comes with that. He comes with the big nostrils. I mean, he just has a lot of slights. But I, I learned to kind of rub it off my shoulders, you know? Now, I didn't say me. anything about your nostrils, dude. And you say you, you don't want to swab the nostrils this morning, Key? You don't no, want to swab I'm, it? I'm, I'm getting mine with a normal uh, Q-tip that they use, the special one that they order for you. I guess they put it on hold because you're not here. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Back and forth. It's good Jay's at a different locale, so I don't have to get between you fellas. But it is Tuesday, so it is COVID day here at the ESPN studios. Oh, no. (laughs) I haven't paid attention to his nostrils, kid. Not one of the things I'm locking in Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Jay, there's so many things to discuss with you. We're trying to run through it. We got the draft tomorrow night. We got some crazy news regarding March Madness and how it's going to be staged in 2021. But I want to start with the crazy notion that James Harden is turning down the opportunity to be the NBA's first $50 million a year player. Had a two-year extension on the table turning it down with Houston essentially saying get me out of here and get me to Brooklyn what do you make of all of this I mean he's trying to choose happiness over money I mean James Harden has a lot of money he will continue to make a lot of money granted that two two year 100 million dollar deal is absolutely absurd but uh, to to what do you sacrifice that for if you're not winning right and uh, that's been the thing we've talked about with James Harden his entire career the guy that's been so close but has been so far away I mean, they were a CP3 pull hamstring away from actually winning a chip or getting to the world championship games, uh, you know, playoff series. So it, when that happens to you consecutively over a period of time, it gets to a certain point, guys. And we were, Zubin, Key, like, we were on the show. And I was like, yo, do not discount Brooklyn. Like Joe Sy, owner of Alibaba, they have the checkbook. They will pay for it. You give up whatever assets you need to. Yes, the Nets love Jared Allen. Yes, the Nets love Karis LeVert. Spencer Dinwiddie's already been out in L.A. sending somewhat subliminal messages about not wanting to be in Brooklyn. You have trade assets. And for anybody to ask that question, well, how does it work? Yo, you make it work. You have James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving on the same team. You make it work, and they will be the favorite to win the whole thing. I don't Man. care what anybody says. The whole thing, Key. Damn, no, Jay. It just sounds crazy, though. 50 racks every for a couple years. It just sounds crazy passing up on that. With that being said, we all know that he wants to choose happiness versus money. What is it going to look like? Let's assume the deal gets done. He's there. What is it going to look like with KD, uh, Kyrie, and Harden on the floor together? Three guys that all are ball dominant. Well, KD isn't really ball dominant, right? Kyrie and James are more ball dominant. And that's because Kyrie's been allowed to be ball dominant. He hasn't played with a guy like Kevin Durant. And also, you know, James has been ball dominant coming from Daryl Morey and obviously Mike D'Antoni with the system in which they played a small ball. So here's the thing. Think about this transition, okay? You have Steve Nash who played for Mike D'Antoni with the Phoenix Suns. He mastered that offense to a degree. Those Phoenix days with the Meyer Stoudemire and company where he won the league MVP. You then bring Steve Nash, D'Antoni as assistant coach, Jacques Vaughn, you bring them to the table, and now you organize an offense that's built around similar to maybe what Golden State did to a degree. Not, not the same style, not the continuity offense, but still, hey, look, if James Harden has an ISO, you go. If Kyrie has an ISO, you go. But still, you have to implement some style or system where everybody feels like they get enough touches or they're able to actually just run and gun, play that fast style. Now, I don't know what pieces they have to give up in order to get this one done, so I can't tell you what ancillary pieces they need to surround their team with key. 
But still, you would think if you have three of the league's most gifted scorers in the game. And don't forget, James Harden almost averaged double-digit assist. He was close to it multiple times in his career. So, Kyrie, when you need to ISO, do your thing. James, BRPG, you and Kevin Durant in a high pick and roll. KD can play more of the power forward. You can even play him at the center at sometimes. You can play that small ball style. Keyshawn, J. Will, when he gets back, and Zubin presented Progressive Insurance, our guest joining us on the show. You love doing the reset every time, Keyshawn. Every time. You do like three resets per interview. (laughs) Well, you got got to let the people know who's listening into the card is just now getting into their vehicles who we are talking to. Everyone doesn't know the voices. So there you go, Smarty Pants. And let me ask you this one. Um, The big three, right? Let's assume there's no championship at all with these big three that I'm talking about. Harden, Durant, Kyrie, or Steph, Durant, and Clay. Which one of the three or which one of the two are better? Mm. Without the championships, get the championships out your mind. Just off sheer. That, that that's a that's a that's that's tough, Key. Like you're talking about the greatest backcourt maybe we've ever seen the play of the game. But Come on, man, what, this is what you do. I know this is what I do, but I mean, it's like you tell me this is what you do. Don't, don't, don't. This is good. Come on. I would have to say talent wise. Talent wise, I would have to put Kyrie, James Harden and KD above Steph, Clay and KD. But continuity wise, system wise, because system can help talent flourish. I don't know what system that I will see KD Kyrie and James in yet. I know what system I saw KD, Steph, and Clay in, and that system would help them win more champions. I, more championships, I would think. But talent-wise, I have to go with James, KD, and Kyrie. Mm. Jay, there's been speculation around James Harden and Russell Westbrook both being traded. Which one gets traded first, in your opinion? And then what happens to the other one that's still left in Houston? You see, Chris, like I, 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 James, you're going to get the most in return for that trade because he's a very valuable piece. Russ is a valuable piece too. I just don't, from what I'm hearing on the streets, like I don't see the trade market being as high for Russ. That as contract, right? Exactly. That contract. Plus look, man, with the style in which Russ plays, he's ball dominant. He likes the ball in his hands. It's pretty recorded that, you know, the three point shot has been something that has troubled him throughout the course of his career, but he can knock down mid range. It's almost like DeMar DeRozan to a, to a degree. In this new age of NBA, they don't really value two point shots as much as they value drives and threes, right? But I, I don't know if I see Russell Westbrook going to a contender, like a world championship contender. I don't know if anybody in a position to do that, maybe unless you, I, it doesn't make sense for Philly to do that, right? Because then that's the same player almost as Ben. Simmons to a degree. So I see Russell Westbrook more so going to a market, I don't know, like uh, he could potentially exist with the Clippers if they want to give up so much for that. I don't see that being a reality. I see more a team like the New York Knicks, like a, a team where, look, he'll have a chance to own the franchise. The franchise will be his. But until Russ is willing to say, hey, I can play differently depending upon what team I go to, I don't know if a championship contender team will be willing to sacrifice that, even though the caliber of player he is is off the charts. One of our favorite players in the NBA is on the move again in Chris Paul going to the Phoenix Suns. What is Where does this trade put the Suns in the Western Conference? I know how I feel about it. Key, where do you, tell me, Key, you know the answer to that. It doesn't do anything. It's just <laughs> they move from 
10 to 7, maybe 6. But then they're running into Golden State, the Lakers, the Clippers, yada, yada, yada. So I'm happy that he's able to go and teach and, and be a mentor. But I'm saddened because I really would like to see him, much like Harden, have an opportunity to win a championship. You know, I, I think initially I would have said, you know, when I first heard about it, oh, I'm kind of sad. But I, I respect this move for CP3. Key, like this is about, at the end of the day, CP3 has to do what he wants to do for himself. And I, look, I, I think they will be what OKC was last year. It keeps Devin Booker happy in uh, Phoenix, which obviously for Monty Williams and company, that's a huge move to keep your star player happy. It gives them the floor leader. It, now they're still in the West. It's still the same up, up battle, uphill battle. But I also, I think this is who CP3 is. See, I don't think you'll ever see CP3 just say, hey, I want to take the easy way out maybe and go to a team like where he plays with three other all-stars. I don't think that's him. I don't think he's cut from that cloth. Like the same, and a part of us, we like to see players that want to go do it on their own, right? Now, granted, maybe he could have got to the Clippers, but maybe it didn't work out that way trade asset-wise. But I'm okay with him being in Phoenix. I like seeing that backcourt of him and Devin Booker. No, it, it, it's fine being in, in, in Phoenix in the backcourt and the teaching and all of those things. I'm just talking about the championship aspirations for him, from for me personally, because he's such – you know, it's CP3. I want to see him win a championship. I don't want to see him, you know, when, when his Hall of Fame speech is, you know, he was great and he was this and that, but he didn't win a championship. It didn't have an opportunity to really win a championship. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I think it's yeah. a fine move, but I would have liked to have seen him in Milwaukee. Instead, they go get Drew Holiday. Or I would like to have seen him with the Clippers. Instead, they may go steal Rondo from us in L.A. So, I don't know. I just. Q, I let, me ask, let me ask you and Chris this, though. Big, great question for you both. So, yeah, yeah, winning a championship is important, but how you win a championship is important too, right? Especially if you value that. So, at that stage of your career, would either one of you guys just be willing to say, hey, like, just take me to another team where I can play with LeBron or somebody else just to win a chip? Or would you still want to be like Frank Sinatra and do it your way? No, I, I'm, I'm, you can send me over there you with Kawhi. You ring chase? Yeah, I ain't got no <laughs> ring chase. Yeah, because I'm, a, I'm, go, I'm going to be an important part of that chasing of the ring, clearly because the Clippers couldn't finish last year. Now, I'm bringing that, that dog mentality that the Clippers are missing to the equation. I'm bringing that or that dog mentality that maybe Giannis is missing in Milwaukee. That's so I'm not talking about going and being the ninth man on the bench. I'm talking about still going and being an all-star, except I'm now with some dudes that can help get that chip. That's all. Jay, I had one question. Drew Holiday is on the move, as Key mentioned. Mm -hmm. And and Giannis has got a big decision coming up in the next couple of weeks, whether or not he's going to take the Supermax offer that we're anticipating the Bucs giving him. What do you think this move does for the Bucs from a basketball standpoint? And do you expect Giannis – to decide to stay in Milwaukee long-term? I would say, look, if James Harden comes to the East, there's nothing that Giannis or the Milwaukee Bucks would be able to do, even with Bogdanovich and you think Drew Holiday. Um, they, they would be the favorites by far to win. I think Milwaukee would be close, depending upon what they had to give up. Um, but, look, I, if I were Giannis, I would sign a one-year. Chris, I would sign a one-year. Mm-hmm. I would say, hey, look, you guys have made moves. I appreciate that. Let's see what we can do this year. If we if, if we feel like we're in better contention moving forward, but I'm man, if James Harden comes to the East and he comes to the Nets, that's going to make everybody look at things differently in the East. Indeed. Everything is going to be different. 
So Indeed. Harden could be on the move. Maybe just maybe Giannis is if he doesn't like what he sees there, according to Jay. And, of course, Jay will be front and center tomorrow on the NBA draft, tomorrow night on ESPN with the Warriors holding the number two pick with Stephen Clay back and healthy. Jay, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks very much. See you right, tomorrow, man. Get Carlos Boozer that trophy back in back of you. Bye. Gotta go. All right, Thick Nick. So see you later, buddy. <laughs> That's his John R. Wooden Award. That's his John R. Wooden Award. On the way, what in the world is wrong with Baker Mayfield? We'll ask somebody that knows the answer to that question better than anyone else. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. And those last comments were made yesterday morning by Dan Orlovsky, and the evidence seems to back it up. The Browns had 230 yards rushing between their two great backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, 168 on the ground in the second half to be able to salt it away and hold on against the Houston Texans. And for more, we headed the Shell Pennzoil performance line for a guy that's done a lot at a ton of different levels of football, and that includes knowing exactly what is right and wrong with Baker Mayfield. It's Hugh Jackson, the former Browns head coach. Of course, he also is the formerly the coach of the Raiders. And key this morning, you've got a coaching relationship with Coach Jackson as well. Let everybody in on that. Good morning, Hugh. Oh, yeah. What's up, Hugh? Then what's going on, G? How you doing, Zubin? Good morning. Well, C- Coach morning. Jackson was one of my longtime mentors from Los Angeles. We both went to the same high school. He recruited me on multiple occasions when he was in college, but for some reason, we never could connect. <laughs> he was at he, he was at Arizona <laughs> I didn't, I didn't State. Have enough money. <laughs> oh, stop! <laughs> <laughs> well, that make now nah, no no. I'm not gonna say that, but no. So let me ask. So how's things been for you, Hugh? Good. I can't complain, Key. I can't wait to, after this season's over, get back on the grass. I have my tequila company going, doing a lot of great things, my foundation. So things are moving forward. Well, that's good for you, man. We want to ask you a little bit about Baker Mayfield, guy who you guys selected with the number one overall pick when you was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, along with John Dorsey. When you look at the way things are going for Baker Mayfield, obviously they're 6-3, and three, they're a team that's right there on the verge of making a wild card run into the playoffs. But the style of play in which they're playing with Baker, is it holding him back? Should they be doing something different with him? Well, you know, Key, I was asked this about a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I really believe that Baker is a shotgun quarterback. I mean, if you go back and look at what he did in college, uh, he was a tremendous passer. Uh, He was the first pick of the draft, as you mentioned. There's not a throw that the young man can't make. 
but he has to be able to see it like most quarterbacks. And so when you take a guy like that as the first pick of the draft, you normally start to do the things that made them successful in college. And uh, if you go back and look at 2018, I think a lot of that was happening. I think it was in the shotgun a lot more. He's been under the center a lot more lately uh, this season. And when you look at it, though, this regime didn't draft him with the first pick overall. Like I said before, Hugh Jackson, John Dorsey, you guys made the decision to take him as the number one pick where Kevin Stefanski is now hired to come in with a different style in which they're six and three. So is it, I guess, is it, are they shielding him too much? Should they unleash him some? Well, I think you're going to have to. I mean, I think, you know, right now, everybody knows that the Browns is a running football team and a really good running football team. They have two very good backs. But in order to win in a National Football League, and you know this as well as anybody, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball. And uh, you're going to have to get the ball to your playmakers on the outside just to continue to keep the run game at a high level because defense is going to really stack up against that. So they're going to have to make some adjustments as they go. As you know, every game, there's a game within the game. And the bottom line is they won the game. They're 6-3, and and I'm sure that's the way they're looking at it. But when it comes to playing – some of the better teams in the National Football League, they're going to have to be able to pass the ball. Hugh Jackson, formerly the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, the Raiders, and the managing partner of Grand Leyenda Organic Tequila. He's doing everything. Joins us this morning on the yeah, show. Yeah, man, Benzo I need to get a shipment, too. <laughs> yeah, I know you do, bro. I got you. <laughs> Hugh, simply put, is Baker Mayfield the answer in Cleveland long term? Well, I think the coaching staff there is going to have to make that decision. You know, they play a different brand of football. I mean, I think you can see it. And I think that's what we're all witnessing. We're saying if this guy's the first pick of the draft, why are they not running everything through him? Because that's normally what you do. If you look at Cincinnati, that's what they're doing. You look at Kyler Murray over at the Cardinals, that's what people are doing. The Browns have had to do what they needed to do to win. This coach is not tied to him. I think there's a big decision that's looming for the organization uh, at the end of this season. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. Hugh, when you look at that particular division with the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns, how far behind are the Browns or those other teams? I don't think from a talent standpoint that they're far behind at all. I mean, when you look at it, Pittsburgh Steelers is is the class of the division right now, and then you have Baltimore, and then here's – Here's the Browns, and the Browns have as much defensive talent. They have as much offensive talent. Obviously, OBJ's out for the year, uh, but they have some tight ends that everybody else don't have. So they have talent, and I think they're right in the thick of it on paper. Now they got to play that way week in and week out, but if you look at the two games they played against the two teams uh, that are leading that division, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, it wasn't, wasn't a close game. Mm. You know, which rookie quarterback has impressed you most? Has it been Tua, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow? And when you look at it, these three guys all have been on fire of late. Who impresses you the most? You said it, uh, Keyshawn. Those three guys are going to make the National Football League extremely excited in the future because they're all three really good players. But the guy that's impressed me the most is Joe Burrow because when I watched, he has the least to work with in the offensive line. He has very good skill players. But this guy is very consistent week in and week out. Uh, they do the things for him that allows him to be successful, no different than Tua, no different than Herbert. I think those guys are going to all be sensational players. But I think Joe Burrow 
it was the first overall pick, and he's playing like that. Mm, that is that is correct. So talking about quarterbacks and play, Andy Dalton, someone that was under your tutelage in Cincinnati, you know him well. He's been out due to concussion. He's due to come back this week. Can the Cowboys still make a strong playoff run? It will. I guess it wouldn't even be a strong playoff run in that division with Andy Dalton at quarterback. <laughs> I think they can. I, I was disappointed that he got hurt because it's like with any player, when you put him in, you know, he's got to really get a feel for who it is that he's working with. That's Dak Prescott's team. I think we all recognize and know that. His job is to come in and help them win games, and that wasn't happening. It was interesting to figure out why. I don't think they were playing as, as good as they are now today on defense because it's all got to work for the quarterback to be successful. But I think Andy can come in and lead that offense to some wins, but they got to play really good as a football team. No doubt. They have the Minnesota Vikings next who are really playing well as a football team. The one thing I've learned here is coaches always coach. So, Coach, I'm excited to see you get back on the grass, as you called it, and we'll uh, we'll raise a glass with that tequila that you're going to send to Key, right? <laughs> yeah, he's sending it to I'm me. Sure you know he got to send that tequila? It's, it's organic. It's organic, 100% USDA organic tequila. Great stuff. I'll Coach. be texting him right after the show okay. with the address. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that little payola pay for play. Good stuff, Coach. Thanks for joining us this morning. Really appreciate Thank it. You guys. We'll talk to you. Take care. Now. All right. All right. <laughs> Great stuff. Hugh Jackson, a reminder, the Browns need to decide on Baker's fifth-year option in May. Proof that the next seven games, as Key mentioned, they sit at 6-3, and three, are huge for Baker. Proof is brought to you by Pennzoil. Go ahead, Keith. No, go ahead. Go ahead, read. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof's in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Can you believe he tried to get me to play for free at Arizona State? Man, please. <laughs> he tried to recruit me to Arizona State for free. Man, they're giving away bags out here. <laughs> if the NCAA wants to call for a violation, 888-SAY-ESPN. You're a few decades too late, but 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. On the way, one of those 6-3 and three teams in the AFC is, of course, the Browns. But we got six teams, a half a dozen key, with the exact same record of 6-3 and three in the AFC. The question is, how many of them are real? And key means real, real, like can win the whole thing real. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Whenever you hear that music, you know some football is coming. Real or not real? A special edition this morning with Keyshawn Johnson. I'm Zubin Mahenti. Jay Williams will be back with us shortly. He was with us earlier this morning, but he's knee-deep preparing for the NBA draft tomorrow night at 8 Eastern so he on says. ESPN. <laughs> I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. So let's do it. Here's the deal. Believe it or not, there's a log jam in the Believe AFC right now. <laughs> there are six teams that have 
six wins. Or put more precisely, six teams with six and three records. But how real are these teams? And Key is defining real as can win the whole thing. Let's reel off one at a time, and Key will tell you if they're a pretender or a contender nine games in to their regular season. Key, let's start with the six and three Indianapolis Colts. You know, I don't think that they are a real team that can win it all. I think that they're a team that can win their division and maybe get a wild card playoff game at home or something like that, and then they'll be bounced. Uh, it, you know, uh, Phillip Rivers, there's no real confidence in Phillip Rivers. He couldn't do it the Chargers. What makes you think he's going to do it with the Indianapolis Colts? Every now and then he likes to turn the ball over to the other team. Been okay of late. He's been okay of late. They've certainly won a big game against the Tennessee Titans, but no, they are not a real football team to win a championship. That was a big one last Thursday night. Here we go. This is a team that Key's been on the whole time, so I think I know the answer, but there might be some doubters. The 6-3 and three Las Vegas Raiders. They, they are a real football team. That could, as crazy as it may sound, win it all because they're a team coached by a guy who's won a Super Bowl who has his players in place. They understand who he is. This is not a bunch of players that was there under Jack Del Rio. This is like guys that understand the coach that they're dealing with. Carr is playing amazing. If they continue to keep winning, that name will somehow surface, resurface in an MVP conversation. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs. When people had the Kansas City Chiefs going 16-0, and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know, I know, you look at the loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you say, oh, okay, well, this team isn't all that great. They lost to the Buccaneers, but they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that a lot of people have picked to win the Super Bowl. When you got guys like Henry Ruggs and Jacobs and you got Carr Dillon you got Waller at the tight end and on the defensive side, they're coming into their own, heck yeah, they can. Keep in mind that the Raiders are 6-3. and three. They've handed, as Key said, the Chiefs their only loss. That was at Arrowhead, by the way. I know, no fans, but they've had to Small some fans. limited fans. Small. Also, this Sunday night, by the way, Chiefs and Raiders. No fans except the people at the casinos. Right, at the sparkling new stadium, Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders, who we'll see if Kansas City can exact a measure of revenge or bolster Key's thoughts that the Raiders are certainly for real. All right, this is a team that I don't think anybody expected to be 6-3, and three, and that is the Miami Dolphins. I, you know, they're not, a, they're, they're not a real team to win the Super Bowl or even get to the Super Bowl. I think they're a real team in terms of challenging the Buffalo Bills for the division. Tua has come in and done tremendous work since the 3-3. Three and three, Everybody questioned they were in the playoff hunt, why they would go to Tua versus sticking with Fitzmagic. You see why. You see why they drafted him, although at the fifth pick, although he was coming off a couple major surgeries out of college. You see why. He's a guy who is going to be a terrific player for a long time in the National Football League. Easy to root for. Here's a team that when we were going over these six and three teams, we were just kind of whipping out the phone looking at the standings. Key actually said, wait a minute. They got three losses? That team is the Baltimore Ravens. I did not realize that they had three losses. I know they lost to Kansas City, and then I'm like, okay, they lost to Pittsburgh. Who else was there? Like, who else beat them? But, you know, I don't believe believe that they are a real team to win a Super Bowl this Mm. year. And the reason being is the quarterback player, Lamar Jackson, still phenomenal, still fantastic. But when you got to throw the football, much like Hugh Jackson, who was just on with us, said, you got to throw the ball at some point in time. You got to connect with people. 
And you can't just keep throwing to the tight end. You've got to hit the guys on the perimeter at the receiver position, the Sneeds, the, the, the Hollywood Browns. They've got to come to the party for a young quarterback, and I just don't see it happening. Yes, the running game isn't the same as it was a year ago when they dominated the NFL in terms of rushing the football. They do have six wins under their belt. They will probably be a wild card team that may win a playoff game, but I don't see them going to the Super Bowl. And that third loss, obviously, to New England on Sunday night. we got two minutes to go here. Let's reel off these last two. Hughes' old team, the Browns, sitting at 6-3. No, three. not real. Okay. Not real at all. <laughs> they, they're a playoff team, a wild-card playoff team. They'll go home. Gotcha. They can really run the ball, but maybe they can't do much more than that. And a team that got out to a great start but has hit the skids a little bit, as many had expected, the 6-3 and three Tennessee Titans. Well, when you're getting punts blocked and you're, and you're shanking punts and you're missing field goals and PATs, this is how you lose football games. And when you can't push the ball down the field when you're threatened by the other team's offense to be able to match point for point, Tannehill's done a tremendous job at doing exactly what Vrabel wants. But at the same time, though, Zubin, this is not an offense that's built to push the ball down the field. Even though they got dynamic receivers that play well, they just that's just not who they are. They're Derrick Henry-led football team. And when you bottle him up, they got to turn to Tannehill. And Tannehill is not... Aaron Rodgers. He's not Drew Brees or Tom Brady. He's a quarterback that's not going to lose the game for you, but I don't ultimately know if he can win the game with big-time throws on a consistent basis. Fair enough. One more NFL note. The uh, Giants tweeted that last night, quote, we were notified a player tested positive for COVID-19. That player is self-isolating. The contact tracing is in effect. Notable, though, here, the Giants have decided not to, for whatever reason they have here, close their training facility. Normally, key, you see a positive COVID test, boom, the facility gets shut down, everybody goes home. But in this particular case, that's not the case. On the way, Andy Reid is so jovial. So what did John Gruden do to make him so angry as they prepare to meet Sunday night? Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.